you are listening to the Pleasant View Baptist Church preaching podcast. We hope today's message will be a blessing to you and your family. Thank you for taking time to listen to our preaching podcast. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter number 18. And uh, when you find your place, please stand with me for the reading of reverence of God's Word. I'm going to read the first 10 verses to you, and then we'll see what God has in store for us. Jeremiah chapter number 18, verses 1 through 10. The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I thought to do unto them. And at what uh, instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight that it obey not my voice, um, then will I repent of the good wherewith I said I would be benefit them. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for what you do for us. God, I thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your peace, God. God, I thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. God, I thank you, Lord, for your word that spoke to my heart, God. And I pray, God, that as the word spoke to my heart, God, that it will speak to the flock this morning. And God, that you will edify your flock, God, that you'll be high and lifted up, God. And God, that you'd help us this morning, give us what we need. Lord, I pray, God, that you'd fill us with your spirit this morning. God, get our flesh out of the way, any sin that may be between me and you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you just let, uh, let your Holy Spirit, God, guide me in what to say and what to do. And God, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. And God, I want to I ask you, God, if there's one here lost this morning, God, that you convict their heart, show them their lost condition, show them their need of you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you'll draw them to an old-fashioned altar. God, they'll be saved for it's everlastingly too late. God, please help us this morning. Give us what we need. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, that name above every name, amen and amen. You can be seated. I want to bring a thought this morning on the potter's house. Uh, on the potter's house. And we're going to look at the potter, and then we're going to look at the clay. And I believe that this is a very clear type in our Bible. Uh, the potter being a type of God the Father and the clay being us. There was an old song. I don't know if it's in this book or not. Um, he didn't throw the clay away. Um, I was going to look for it this morning, but I don't know if anybody ever heard that old song. He didn't throw the clay away. Who's heard that song? I got to know. Because uh, that is an old song. Uh, uh, it's I don't know when it was wrote, um, but it talks about how um, um, he, just, he didn't throw the clay away. And how the songwriter was thinking him that um, he didn't take this old clay that I had around me and, and just throw it away and get rid of it. Um, but this morning, I want to I look at a thought here on the potter's house and, and the clay. And God uses many images in our Bible to describe um, um, the relationship between him and himself and his people. Um, uh, God uses, um, he uses a shepherd. Uh, um, uh, um, uh, he speaks of a shepherd in the sheep relationship. Uh, he uses the husband and a wife relationship. He uses a father and his children's relationship, just to name a few. But all of these are wonderful and, uh, and teach us valuable lessons about life and ourselves and, and the Lord Jesus Christ and God. But however, while, the, while, while we like sheep are protected and provided for, 
by the shepherd and as a wife we are loved without condition by the husband. And like children we are constantly under the father's loving care. There's another aspect of our lives that needs to be factored into the equation and that's our service and our work for the Lord. Um, after all, Jesus did not save us uh, um, just to give us a, uh, a play, uh, just to give us a way to escape hell and a, and a dwelling place for all eternity. He saved us to do a work for Him. Um, he saved us to uh, to do and move in this world uh, um, uh, to to be who He wants us to be and not uh, who we want to be. He saved our souls that we might be actively engaged in that in His service on the earth. Um, now, if we are to be His servants, we are going to need His power um, to get the job done. Uh, never let the child of God think that He can do it on His own. Um, John, verse number 15, or chapter 15, verse number 5, uh, John makes our dependence known very clear that it is upon Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Um, so I want to look this morning at the greatest portraits um, of God and His people to be found in our entire Bible, and that is related to the matter of service in the picture of the potter and the clay. Um, uh, uh, the potter and the clay, in these brief verses, we can see the plan of our heavenly potter on display. And, and so let's look this morning at the lessons um, that we can learn from the potter's house. Some lessons that we all can learn from the potter's house. Um, and so I want to give you this, and I, and I apologize if I seem like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse on a couple of things, but um, i got to get a point across so you understand where my mindset is and understand where I want what the Lord wants us to get across here. When I was thinking about the potter's house and I was thinking about the, the potter, um, there was one thing that came to my mind that I couldn't get my mind off of, and that was the potter's wheel. And that's where it all starts with. I'm going to give you some thoughts about the potter's wheel. The potter's wheel was one of mankind's earliest inventions. Um, um, and, and it has surprisingly changed very little over its 6,000 year history. Um, it, it's, it's just a potter's wheel is, is actually not just one wheel, but it's actually two wheels. Um, uh, the, the, the primitive potter's wheels were made of stone. They were disc-shaped stone, was notched in the center um, to fit over a pointed pivot in the center of a lower stone. The nudge of the potter's toe set the lower wheel in motion while rotating the upper wheel. The upper wheel was where the potter uh, would shape the clay. And so the potter's wheel, or the potter's table, is two wheels um, that spin. you got the bigger one on the bottom, the smaller one on the top, and they're, they're, they're put together by an axle, and a little flick of the toe um, by the potter can spin that uh, upper wheel um, with ease. In Bible times, potter's wheels were all, well, was made of wood. Um, the two wheels were joined by a shaft so that the upper wheel was at hand level. The foot moved the lower disc and connecting the axle caused the upper wheel to revolve. Modern potters, they, the wheels, they follow the same basic design. Some are just now electrically driven. Um, but yet most of your potters today um, use a foot turn or a manually turned potter's wheel. Before using a wheel, a potter must knead uh, the clay. Um, uh, the potter must knead the clay. And what he would do here is he would, um, uh, he would take the clay he would go out and get the clay. Um, and there's a lot to this that I wish I had time to tell you, um, but time just won't prevent it um, this morning. But the potter, there's one thing about the potter that he does is he loves his clay. Um, I remember this in high school. I'm not an artistic person, okay? So don't let what I'm about to say fool you. Um, but there's this thing in high school called, uh, 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 what's the, when you have to take the class, it's, it's like a, 
like a, like you have to take it. I forget the name of the, whatever it's called. Like you have to have it to graduate. And I had to have art. But if we didn't take art, we got uh, um, chorus. And as y'all can tell, I didn't make it in chorus. So I had to go to art. Brother Brian, art was where I had to live. And I had the coolest art teacher ever. She let me draw deer heads. She let me draw. Uh, I actually still got one of them. I'm super proud of this thing. Uh, I show it off every chance I get. I, I, I named it Sambo. It was an old Bassett hound. I had my cousin hound who, whose name was Sambo, and our Sam, and we called him Sambo. And I found a picture in a magazine that I wanted to draw for the Jimmy. And I drew this. I think it was in eighth grade when I drew it. I'm, tell, I'm still proud of that thing I got. Uh, I show it off every once in a while. Uh, it had been real pretty if I just didn't have to paint it in watercolor. Uh, the, the drawing itself was more impressive than um, the painting that went with it. Um, but anyway, I'm not this, but I did, we did have to do this one thing. We had to make some clay pots in the eighth grade. Uh, we had to make clay pots. And there was a few things that I remember about making the clay pots that I want to bring out to you this morning. Um, I thought well, there's one thing I remember doing was we had to, what I just talked about right here, when we had to, um, I'm looking for the word again, we had to, to, uh, to knead the clay. And what that meant is you had to get all the air bubbles out of the clay. This was my favorite part with it, Jimmy. That year I hear this was it. This, this, this is what made my day. We had to take this piece of paper and lay it out on the thing that was so the clay would stick to the, to the table that we was working on. And we had to take this clay, we had to cut it in half, put it back together, pick it up, and slam it down as hard as we could on the table. You want to talk about a lot of fun. <laughs> That's what got me excited about art. And we would take that thing, we'd slam it down. And what we was doing is we was getting all the air bubbles up out. After we done this, then the art teacher, she must have knew me, because then she tells us why we had to do it is because it would explode under heat. It would explode under pressure if it didn't have all the impurities out of it. Brother Jimmy, had I known that, I wouldn't have threw it on the ground so hard. I wanted it to, I wanted it to explode in the kiln. I wanted to see that. Um, but I'm, she didn't tell us that until afterwards. So, but anyway, we had to break that. We, we had to hit that over and over again. And so the, the potter will take that clay. He'll split it in half. He'll put it back together. He'd start slamming it on the table to get the impurities out of it. He'd have to work that clay until it was ready um, to be thrown on the wheel. And I noticed something when he threw it on the wheel. When he threw it down on the wheel, I, 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 was, I was studying this, they never placed it on the wheel. They never, I, I, I never see Miss Faith where they gently just push it on the wheel. No, they pick it up and they slam it right in the middle of the wheel. Kind of unexpected to the clay. Um, just slam it right in the middle of the wheel and that potter will go to work on that clay. That potter would go to work on the clay. Look right here. The potter next throws the ball of clay down on the upper wheel. Then he sets the wheel in motion and surrounds the clay with his hands, forcing it to true, uh, it true to the center of the wheel head. Now the potter must master the clay. Y'all are hopefully getting where I'm going with this. I hope, I, I hope I'm going to preach the message in my introduction and just have to give it to you. But just listen to this right here. That master would take that clay and he would, he would work that clay until that clay was responsive uh, to his touch. What about that? I'm going with this somewhere. I promise you, this gets good right here. It starts work with his touch. He applies pressure at the base of the clay ball, causing it to rise up in sort of a round cone. Um, then, he, 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 then he pressed on the top of the clay with his thumbs or the palm of his hand, 
Um, repeating this three or four times, increasing the flexibility of the clay and increasing the strength of, of, the, of the clay. At this point, the potter opens up the, uh, the clay ball by pressing his thumbs into the center, gradually hollowing it out, applying pressure with his fingers. He evens out the thickness of the cylinder walls. Finally, he shapes the clay into a vase, a pitcher, or whatever he chooses. As the terms force, master, and throw imply clay is not always easy to work with. I hope y'all are picking this up. Clay is not always easy to work with. Often a partially formed object will um, disintegrate in the, sharp, in the sharpest heap of the clay. Perhaps because of a tiny stone that was overlooked uh, when the clay was being worked, the potter must begin to knead the clay again or he, uh, he may dislike what comes about and he sweeps it off the, the table just to go to work it again to place it back on the table. Jeremiah 18 describes God as a potter having trouble with his will because the people refused to obey him. There's a familiar image in the people of biblical times because they could see a potter's will in the marketplace just about in every village. If you study out chapter number 18 of the book of Jeremiah and you look down past this story, you look down in here, you're going to find out and you're going to read that Jeremiah gave this image, he gave this prophecy to the nation of Israel. But they did not heed to the potter's hand. The clay never worked in the potter's hand. The clay never the, 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 the potter was never able to become the master of the clay. Was never to become the master of the clay. And it hurt some things. And so I want to look this morning at the... First of all, I want to look at the potter, and then we'll look at the clay here in just a minute. I want to look first of all at the location of the potter. Look at the location of the potter's house. He went to the physical location of the potter's house. Look what the Bible says. The word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah, um, I'm sorry, the word of the Lord which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise, look what it says right here, and go down to the potter's house. Can I say this right here? You may say, we all get the picture. I hope we get the picture of God being the potter and us being the clay. I hope we see this. And the way to get to the potter's house, Jeremiah had to go down. Can I say this morning, you may say, I'm, I know I'm the clay and I know that God is working on me, but I just don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Can I say it all starts with going down. It all starts on your knees. It all starts calling uh, on the Master's hand uh, uh, to begin to work in your life one more time. You say, I've not been who I need to be. I've not been who I ought to be. But can I say this this morning? Uh, if you'll call on God, uh, He's right where you left Him. Uh, He's not went nowhere. He's still right there. He's just waiting uh, uh, for you to be willing uh, uh, clay is this morning. He's waiting on you to be that willing clay. He take, he's taking good care of you. He may have stored you in a drawer for a little while. If you want to look, I remember my art teacher in, elementary, in middle school, um, she really took care of our clay that we worked on our pots. She had a special drawer, Brother Jimmy, for the clay. She said this clay don't just come from anywhere. She said there's a special farm um, that she would go to that her daddy had where they would have had the right mixture of soil, mud, and mire uh, to make a good piece of good working clay. And she said, I just can't go out here and just dig up mud and make something out of it that's going to be durable like I like it. This stuff getting good. I don't know about y'all or not. But they put that clay in the drawer. 
And she poured that clay out when it was ready. Can I say this? There is times in our life where uh, we miss the mark. There's times where um, we're in the muck and the mire and, and we're here. God doesn't thump us off into eternity and throw us away. No, He'll just pull the drawer out and slide the clay in just for a little while. But there's one thing that I noticed about my art teacher. She always knew where clay was. Not one time did I ever have to, did she ever have to go, where did I put that clay at? She always went to the same drawer. She always went to the same location. The good potter always knows where the clay is. Uh, He knows exactly where the clay has been. He knows exactly what the clay is doing. And can I say this? He's just waiting on us to call on Him. Look at His location. But look at His legacy. Look at the potter's legacy. Dwight D. Eisenhower said this. He says war is a terrible thing. But if you're going to get into it, You've got to get into it all the way. I think there's a current president that may need to hear that. I don't know. We will leave that off. But, but anyway, we won't say much about that. But anyway, he said, if you're going to get in it all the way, and can I say this right here, the Lord Jesus Christ, he didn't, when he starts working on us clay, he don't just barely dibble-dabble with the clay. He goes all the way. He goes all the way, Brother Brian, when it goes to work with the clay. He don't just dibble-dabble. Can I say this right here? I'm glad that he didn't go halfway to earth and stop. I'm glad when he left the ivory palaces of heaven, he didn't go halfway or three quarters and stop. No, he came all the way. I'm glad that as I'm glad he didn't just live a, a half a life and die like everybody else. I'm glad he didn't go halfway to the cross. I'm glad he didn't go halfway to death. I'm glad he didn't go halfway to resurrection. I'm glad he's not only going to come halfway come back. I'm glad that he is going all the way and he's all in on his clay this morning. In church, he's all in for us this morning. Look at his legacy. Our Bible is plumb full. Y'all know what plumb full means, right? That's a good, that's a good English term, right? Not just full, plumb full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you this. Let me give this old song lyrics right here, but I'm going to give them to you. They're pretty good. I like them. They got my stamp of approval. Dunk, right on. Look right here. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. In Numbers, he's fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he's salvation's choice. In Judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, he's the kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In the Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder, the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In, um, in, in Job, he's the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he's our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, he's the time and season. In the Song of Solomon, he's the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. In Jeremiah, he's the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, he's the cry for Israel. In Ezekiel, he's, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, I like this one. He's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he's forever faithful. In Joel, he's the Spirit's power. In Amos, he's the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, he's the promise of peace. In Nahum, he's our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores the lost heritage. In Zechariah, he's our fountain. And in Malachi, he's the sun of the righteousness rising with healing in his wings. That's just the Old Testament. Y'all ready to go to the New Testament? I don't care if you are, I'm going anywhere. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he is God. 
God, man, Messiah. In the book of Acts, uh, um, um, He's the fire from heaven. In Romans, He's the grace of God. In Corinthians, He's the power of love. In Galatians, He's the freedom from the curse of sin. In Ephesians, He's our glorious treasure. In the Philippians, He's the servant's heart. In Colossians, He's the Godhead Trinity. In Thessalonians, He's our coming King. In Timothy, Titus, and Philemon, He's our mediator and our faithful pastor. In Hebrews, He's the everlasting covenant. In James, He's the one that heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, He is the good shepherd. In John and in Jude, He's the lover coming for His bride. And in the Revelation, He's the King of kings and He is the Lord of lords. And can I say this this morning? He's got a legacy that'll outlast anything. And I say this this morning, if I needed some clay work done, I'm not just going to go to some Billy Bob on the street. I'm going to go to the best potter I know. I'm going to find the best potter. And can I say this this morning? <laughs> this clay that I'm in this morning. Can I say this right here? God formed man out of the dust of the earth. Uh, in other words, He formed man out of the clay. He formed man out of the mud uh, that's called earth. He formed us and He made us. Right into His image. And can I say this right here? If He formed and made me Brother Jimmy, I don't want anybody else to work on it. I don't want any other deity to have a part of it. If He created it, He knows how to fix it. And He knows what to do with it this morning. He's the potter this morning because of his legacy. But I don't look right here. He's the potter because of his love. For God so loved the world. Can I say this right here? I think it's okay for us to say, I love you. It's okay for me to say, I love you. But we don't know what it means to say, I so love you. I so love you. Jesus is the only one that knows that true love. The sacrificing his only son. On the brutal cross of Calvary, he loved me. Can I say this right here? A potter loves their work. A potter loves what they do. And when you see a true potter work, you're going to see a love for the clay. You're going to see a love for the clay. And when that clay don't quite work right, they don't throw the clay away. They just hold on to the clay. They may set it to the side for a moment, for a little while, add a little water to it. I think it's just interesting. There's a whole lot to preach right here. I just think it's interesting to see the potter would take a little cup of water and set it on the wheel or set it next to the wheel. And every once in a while, he'd dip his hand in that water just to let the clay work a little bit more. In our Old Testament, water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what happens when sin gets in our life? And I'm going to get there in just a minute. Uh, we mess up. Sin gets in our life. God will just take a little bit of the Holy Spirit is what it takes. A little dose of the Holy Spirit uh, uh, will help us to be, be marked by God. i gotta, I got to move on or I'm not going to get nowhere. Look right here. At the potter's house, I saw his location. I saw his legacy. I saw his love. Now we'll look at the clay just for a moment. Just for a moment, we'll be done. Look at the clay. Number one, the clay was marred in the potter's hand. The clay was marred in the potter's hand. Can I say this right here? I like that terminology the Bible uses right there. That word marred, it means this right here. Decay it has a connection to the word decay, ruined or cast off. I remember as a little boy, I loved to get dirty. The muddier, the better. But I don't know about y'all, if you've ever got mud on your hands and you're playing in the mud and you come up out of your hand, all of a sudden that hand, that mud is marred on your hand. All right? That means your hand is covered in that mud. But before long, all the moisture that is in that mud or that clay will go away and create something on your hand that you can't work with. 
eventually it'll become dust and you can't do nothing with it. I promise you, you ain't a little boy if you ain't never made a mud pie. All right? So we all know how that mud pie that we used to make and it'd be marred on our hands. We'd go out there and get in a mud fight and it'd all be stuck on our hands and when it dried, you couldn't make a mud ball out of it. You couldn't make a mud pie out of it because it was dry. All you had to do was rub your hands together and it would fall apart as dust. It'd fall apart as unusable stuff in the hands. And can I say this right here? There was a time in my life. Yeah, I was made out of the dust of the earth. I was the mud. I was made in the potter's hands. But can I say this right here? I was covered in sin. I was deep in the muck and the mire. And I was nothing but marred clay on the potter's hands. I was nothing but marred clay. I wasn't worth nothing. I needed something to help me. And I mentioned just a second ago, I kind of got ahead of myself, but I mentioned it a little bit. I, had, I needed that water. I needed that water. Can I say this? When I was at it says a six-year-old little boy, I didn't get saved because my mama told me I need to get saved. I didn't get saved because my daddy told me I need to get saved. I didn't get saved just because the preacher preached a message on what if the Lord were to come back before Christmas. Well, I, I, I didn't get saved because of that. Can I tell you the reason I got saved? It's because the Holy Ghost came and grippled a little water on me, if you want to say it like that, and got me into some working material. What it done was what this, the Holy Spirit came by and said, boy, you need to be saved. You need to be, you need to be saved. It was that still, small voice that spoke to my heart and said, you need to be saved. Look, I, I, I was gonna, this is something, that was the other thought that was on my mind to preach this evening, hun, but uh, Elijah was looking for God on the mountainside that day. And he looked for him in the tornado, if you want to say it like that, didn't see him. Looked for him in the whirlwind, didn't see him. Looked for him in the earthquake, didn't see him. Looked for him in the fire, didn't see him. But where he saw him at was in a still, small voice. Church, I want to say this. God's not going to come to you with a blinking neon light to say you need to get saved. He's not going to come to you and beat you over the brain, beat you in the brains with a baseball bat that says you need to get saved. But can I tell you what he's going to do? He's going to get right down next to your ear. And he's going to say, Now it may not be in an audible voice, but what it's going to be is this right here. There's going to be an emptiness, a void in your life that you know you need something. That you know that you need something that you don't have. It's a void. That's the Lord saying, It's a still, small voice. And the potter will begin to add water to the old dried up clay. Now eventually it'll become work. Look right here. The clay, I, there was no, I noticed the clay was marred. But there's nothing, something else I noticed about the potter. Something else I noticed when I was working in the clay and back in middle school, my hands got dirty. That clay was a mess. And can I say this morning, church, before I got saved, my life was a mess. It was nothing but a mess. It was, a, it was just messy. And it's because of me and because of sin what made it a mess. But can I say this right here? As the potter looks at the clay, he don't see a mess. He sees potential. He don't see the mistakes. He don't see the impurities. 
when he began to slam the clay down, he wasn't looking for a bubble to come up. He just knew the impurities were there. He wasn't. He didn't care about how many was there, though. He didn't care about how imperfect the clay looked from the beginning. He just took what clay he had, though it was a mess, and he began to work with it and add pressure to it. And has been, he began to work it. But look right here. I, I thought about this. There was a I, I, the clay was marred in the potter's potter's hand. The clay was, the clay made a mess. The clay was a mess. And as the potter looked at his hands to think about how dirty he was, his mind would need to be washed before um, he could do anything else. He had, to, he had to wash his hands. What I'm talking about is the mess that was there. And we had to be cleaned up. And God will do the cleaning. I promise you that. So many times we want to clean them up before they come in the house of God. That's not how it works. Let God take care of you and God will clean you up. God will clean you up. You don't have to be, you don't have to have nothing else. God will clean you up. Look right here. Not only today was they marred, not only was there a mess, but they ends up being a marvelous vessel. They all it ends up being a marvelous vessel. And can I say this right now? God's plan for you is for you to become a marvelous vessel. Will it happen on this side of eternity? I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't tell you. But can I tell you right now? I don't care how big of a mess you're in. I don't care how big of a mess you've made things. God can take your mess and make a masterpiece out of it. God can take your mess and make a masterpiece. You just got to be willing. You just got to be willing. I was thinking about the clay. I was thinking about how the, the potter was working it. And I was thinking about different things. And there was one word that came up to me. And I didn't put this in my outline because I think the Lord just wants me to share it with you. We all got to get to that point to where we are mastered by the master. You understand what I mean by that? And he worked that potter, would work that clay, and eventually that clay would get to the point to where it would be malleable and it would be worked. I got to thinking there was one word that really stuck out to me, and I hope, that, I hope you get what I'm about to say because it really helped me, and it's the word pressure. It's the word pressure pressure and how the potter would put pressure on the clay and can I say this this morning church there's times where it feels like that pressure coming from the potter is very hard there's times it feels like that in my Christian walk God is putting so much pressure on me that I don't feel like I can make it I don't feel like I can go another day but God is still understand this right here when you're under pressure Oh, I just thought of this. I just thought of this. When you're under pressure, when you're under pressure, that just means the Father's hands are around you. When you're under that pressure of sin, you're under that pressure of, of whatever it may be, the Father's hand is that's when He's molding you. That's when He's making you into what you ought to be. Y'all remember the old song? Um, it took Him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. Um, how lovely and patient he must be because he's still working on me. Can I say this right now? When we feel that pressure, your Christian life may feel that pressure. Can I say this right here? The church, the church will feel the pressure. The church, when you look around and you see empty pews, you're going to feel pressure. When, when people leave, you're feeling pressure. Can I say what that might be? God may, God may just be wanting to get some impurities out. When somebody leaves, he may just be trying to get some impurities out. 
I'm going to say that again. When somebody leaves, he may be trying to get some impurities out. And the pressure's on. And it hurts. Uh, but realize this, when the pressure's on, that's when the Father's hands are the closest to the clay. I thought about this right here. Your marriage. Your marriage. Sometimes the pressure's on in the marriage. And sometimes it feels like that the marriage is just holding on by a thread. But can I say this right now? When that pressure's on, that means the Father's hands are around the marriage and really close to the clay. The pressure's on. That means, that means when he's, that's when He's the closest. That's when He's the closest this morning, church. I don't know who needed to hear this this morning. I don't know who, 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 who's in what, where you're at in your life this morning. But I know this. He's the potter. We're the clay. And He's just trying to make us be obedient to Him. He is trying to become our master. We just need to let Him. As we stand with our heads bowed, nobody looking around. We don't even have a piano player this morning. Nobody looking around. Don't worry about that. I want everybody in here to have the opportunity this morning to search your life and to search your soul. Is, is the potter applying pressure today? Is he? Can I tell you what you need to do? You just need to give in to him. Just give in to him. Can I tell you what that pressure is? That pressure is conviction. That pressure is conviction. He's trying to take you to the next level. He's trying to take you to the next level. Why don't you let him this morning? Would you come this morning? Is there one? Would you come? Is the pressure applied to your life and you don't feel like you can handle it? You don't feel like you can go another minute? The potter's just, that means he's the closest to you. I thought about this right here. Here's you another, another picture. If the potter's making a bowl, he puts his thumb in the top and he pushes down. And as the bowl, right before the bowl becomes a bowl, it is at its maximum pressure. He's having to push down the furthest. But as he pushes down further, the clay is being pushed up into the Father's hands more. That means when the pressure's on the most, when it feels like we're at our wit's end, when it feels like we can't go another day, that may be just when the Father is the closest to us and we're the closest to Him. The Bible says this in the book of Galatians, Don't get weary in well-doing, because in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Can I say this right here? At maximum, at maximum pressure, that may be right before due season. That may be right before due season.